Whether or not you're convinced about plant-based diets, you'll be interested in hearing what Juliana Munoz has to say. She used to eat meat and refined food for every meal of the day. Here's why she stopped. Welcome to Science of the Times Radio. Welcome back to another week of Signs of the Times Radio. My name is Daniel Kuberek, and this week I have with me a person I like to call Irma, which in Portuguese means sister, but her name is actually Juliana Muniz, right? I, I, pr- I pronounced that correctly, right, Juliana? Yeah, yeah. You didn't pronounce the properly Brazilian way, but it's correct. Okay. What's the Brazilian way? Juliana Muniz. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was way off there. <laughs> now, Juliana, <laughs> obviously we're, we're hearing that you're from Brazil. Can you just tell us yes. quickly, um, what's your story? Where were you born in Brazil and how long have you been in Australia for? Yeah, so that type of question always always takes a long time for me to answer because I actually grew up in the center of Brazil, and but I moved when I was just one and a half years old to the south and I lived pretty much everywhere in the south. I moved a lot when I was a kid. And yeah, then I did uni in Sao Paulo. And then I moved to Australia in 2019. Awesome. Now, you are a trained journalist, right? I was actually working as a journalist for the Adventist Church in a conference office. So it's really cool to have you on because this is the first time you've actually written an article for Signs of the Times. You've been with us for a few months working on a, a sister magazine that we have here. But we actually asked for you to write about your plant-based journey because coming to get to know you, you're pretty passionate about a, a plant-based diet. I guess the question is, has this always been the case? Have you always been plant-based? And what was your sort of diet, uh, especially growing up? I was def- definitely not always plant-based. Growing up in Brazil, for us, food is a central part of our culture. So we have a very diverse and rich cuisine. It can change a lot from north to south. So traveling across around the country, you can taste very different foods. And that's very exciting. But the problem is that even though we do produce a lot of the food in the country, like vegetables and legumes and stuff... The Brazilian diet consists uh, mostly in refined carbs, refined sugars, a lot of saturated fats, deep fried foods, and a lot of animal products such as meat and dairy. And I was having a really bad diet, eating a lot of those things, and my health was not really in a good shape because of that. But I also had zero education in the effects of food in my overall health. So pretty much waking up in the morning, I would just have white bread with cheese and some type of deli meat and maybe some chocolate drink with a lot of sugar and just start my day with a very inflammatory meal. And then for lunch, I would have mainly meat, some type of meat and rice and beans. Brazilians are well known for having rice and beans every day for lunch white rice and beans, which are mostly pinto beans or black beans, and then some type of salad, like leafy salad and chips. 
which is also not very healthy. And um, learning now that animal foods don't have any fiber, that's very concerning because I wasn't having any fiber in my diet. But yeah, after I moved to Australia and changed, I feel great. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to definitely jump into that in just a moment. Now, I'm really interested to know how many times a day you'd eat meat. Like, would you ever have one day when you're not eating meat or would it be like meat has to be a part of every single meal over in Brazil? Oh, yeah. It was definitely part of every single meal. Even um, breakfast? Because, yeah, even breakfast, like in the form of deli meats, like turkey ham, for example. Sometimes I would not have deli meat for breakfast. It would be like more of a vegetarian breakfast, but mostly because... In Brazil, we do eat a lot of savory foods for breakfast, but not like cooked foods, just like sandwiches. It's very, it's a very different concept. Like for us, for example, lunch is the main meal of the day. So mm -hmm. we all cook for lunch or go to a restaurant to have like rice and beans. And dinner is lighter. When in Australia, dinner is the main meal. And for us, is the main meal is lunch. But I was having meat at least for lunch and dinner and sometimes also breakfast that's interesting wait how does that work in a country where people you know have to go to work you know do the nine to five thing to have like the main meal being lunchtime like did what what did you you and your co-workers like sort of eat around that time i'm guessing it wouldn't really be sandwiches then wouldn't it no no we usually go home and fully cook or or, or go to a restaurant when some people that don't like to cook or don't have the time because usually in brazil we have one hour and 30 minutes for a lunch break and then we just go home and cook i used to have like everything set up in the freezer and then just put it in the fridge on the on the night before so i would have like for example a frozen batch of seasoned chicken raw and then I would go home and put the chicken on the fry pan and then cook some rice, white rice, which takes like 15 minutes. And then I would also already have the beans cooked because in Brazil, we eat beans so much that we usually cook very big batches in the pressure cooker. And then I would just season the beans that were already cooked. And that was my meal, pretty much just white rice, beans and chicken. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting that you're mentioning about the beans, the, the the chicken, and, you know, even things like sausages, because you and I were actually recently at a mutual friend's house. She's also from Brazil, and she made this sweet-ass mm -hmm. dish, which she said is like a staple Brazilian dish called, I think it was, was it feijoada? Is that, is that how yeah, you say that? exactly. Which was yeah. rice, beans, and sausages. In this case, she made vegan sausages for us. Mm -hmm. Can you just tell us, is that sort of the the kind of dishes, like the traditional dishes you think about when you think about a, a tr traditional Brazilian dish? Yeah, pretty much I always think about beans. <laughs> we do have a lot of dishes with beans. Mainly with just like when you eat rice and beans, it's just like white rice and the, like a bean stew. But feijoada is a black bean stew and it's really delicious. But I, to be honest, I didn't eat it in Brazil because usually because meat is such a normal thing to eat all the time that they do make it with pork meat and I don't eat any pork meat. So they put a lot of pork sausages and those kind of pork meats and then I would never eat it. 
But coming here and meeting a lot of vegan and vegetarian people, and some of them from Brazil, they do adapt to a vegan diet. So they make vegan feijoada, which I can eat now. Okay, awesome. Well, you know, you mentioned that you were eating these things and you mentioned that they were some of them were pretty unhealthy. Like you mentioned the fries, the stacks of meat that you were eating. Did you feel like it was unhealthy at the time? Did you have any warning red flags that were going off as far as what your body was telling you? Or was it later on that you sort of learned that it was not good? Oh, not at all. I thought I was doing great, actually, because I've always been slim. I was never overweight and I always had a very constant weight. So my friends would look at me and think that was unfair because I was having normal three full meals a day and I was not putting on weight. I was just like looking the same as always. I did have a lot of small issues like that are seen as common. So like headaches, migraines, lower back pain. I had hay fever very frequently and I used to go to the doctor a lot. But because I didn't have any education on the effects of our diet in our overall health, they would just diagnose me as like, oh, you're stressed. You know, you're stressed because of work. You need to sleep better. But they would never address the food as an issue. And I didn't know as well. So I thought I was actually doing great because I wasn't putting weight. And also because, you know, the doctors weren't telling me anything. I did went to the doctor a few times to get checkups and I would always get high cholesterol. And before coming to Australia in 2019, I did go to the doctor to do a complete health checkup. I, I stayed in the hospital for a whole day with my husband and we did all sorts of exams and I did have high cholesterol. And the doctor pointed out that coming to Australia, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't have access to health just like I had in my own country because there I had a full coverage health insurance. And that was amazing because I I used to go to the doctor pretty much every week (laughs) with some sort of complaint that I could solve with, you know, um, over-the-counter medication. But I wanted to go to the doctor to get a, a properly prescription I can attest to that because, you know, my fiance as well, she lives in this country. She's um, currently doesn't have access to full health care. So like everything here costs an absolute arm and a leg. <laughs> but um, just like t- yeah. touching into some of the stuff you mentioned, exactly. you know, the, the migraines and the headaches. So when, when was it that you learned about the connection back to your diet? Was it after you'd moved to Australia? Yeah, after I moved to Australia, I met a lot of people in my church that actually follow vegan or vegetarian diets because that's the recommendation in the Bible. And it was very impressive because I was very against it. Like I couldn't imagine a a meal without meat and seeing them having all those vegetarian vegan foods in the beginning, I was really against it some of them would i would visit them at their home and they would send some vegan food with me and then i wouldn't want to eat it because it was vegan you know like i'm not vegan i'm not gonna eat this so i had other vegan friends at work and i would just give it to them oh here here's a vegan cake that i i got from a friend this week but you know i'm not vegan so i'm not gonna eat it so you can have it (laughs) like like it was going to convert me or something i don't know oh i'm Um, literally exactly the same like when I was eating meat, I didn't want to eat vegan food just out of principle. This is brutally honest, but vegans seemed really annoying, opinionated about what people should be eating. So I was re- repulsed about that. 
because of it, which is funny now because I am a vegan. But anyway, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, I didn't like it at all. And I, I, I couldn't eat it. I had a lot of prejudice against it. And then once I started spending more time with my vegan friends, they were not pressuring me to do anything. They were just eating what they wanted and Of course, when I went to their house, I had to eat what they had there. But when we went out, they used to just order, let's say, a vegan burger. And I would order the beef burger and they would not judge me. I didn't feel judged um, at all. And I think because of that, I started to see that, you know, they can be they can be nice people. (laughs) Mm. And then I started to give it a chance they did send me some lectures from dr michael gregor he's a well-known doctor i think he wrote that book how not to die which gives a good explanation of the impact of food in our diet uh, in our health and then after i started checking those lectures they were sending me and you know reading a little bit more about that and tasting the amazing vegan food they were cooking at home I started to give it a chance and after a while I decided it was time to enroll in a complete health improvement program which mm-hmm. is a chip program and that's when everything really changed so they were promoting a plant-based diet in that program yes exactly a whole foods plant-based diet So what sort of things did you learn about there that really changed how you approached your diet? It's really good because we all watch lectures with doctors and they prove everything with studies that have been conducted. And they really explain the impact of our diet in our overall health. And I I don't really remember anything specific But it's good because while you're also learning it, you're learning the impact of food. You're also learning how to cook uh, healthy foods because we have a cooking workshop after the lecture. We also have a support group because it's the chip program is done with a group of people and we're all struggling together and we're all sharing that, oh, you know, today I couldn't resist a cookie. But during the five weeks that I was in the program, I was having a whole food plant based diet. And I was cooking like that at home, and it was great. I was feeling amazing. Yeah, that's awesome because I've heard that for a lot of people who want to change their diet, the first difficult question is, where do I start? So it's awesome that you had that group there, and as well, they sort of eased you into it. But did you ever have any period of difficulty during the first few weeks of changing your diet around, like even with you know researching new recipes or not knowing what, what to cook and eat versus how your body was reacting to it? Did you see any challenges there? Yeah, I had some challenges because of my poor diet and so many years of antibiotics and, you know, saturated fats and processed foods and inflammatory foods and etc. I think my gut microbiome was very depleted and I didn't have all the good bacteria that I needed to process some foods. So in the beginning, when I would eat some specific vegetables, like for example, let's say capsicum, I would feel really bloated and I wouldn't feel great. And that was very confusing for me because I thought that because, you know, this is supposed to be healthy. Why am I feeling really bad? But yeah, after a while, after introducing those foods slowly and, you know, our gut microbiome can change daily. So insisting on that and having an anti-inflammatory diet for five weeks, 
my gut microbiome started functioning well and I got used to all those foods. Cooking is also a good challenge in the beginning because you're used to cooking away. And then when you see plant-based recipes, for example, they're completely different because you don't eat, use any dairy, you don't use any meat, and then it's very confusing because, you know, how do you make a, a, a dish flavorful if you don't have any meat in it? Mm. For me, it was very, very confusing. Doing the chip program, I learned some recipes and I was also researching a lot so I could uh, keep up with the diet during the five weeks. And it was great. I ended up learning a lot. And then I created an Instagram account for Brazilians to help them and to learn plant-based recipes. When you were over in Brazil, obviously you weren't vegetarian back then. Did you notice, were there many like vegetarian shops or restaurants or was it super rare? There are a few. There's always like one option in the shopping mall, for example. But usually it's like the the type of restaurant that you look, it's like, uh, it's a vegetarian restaurant. I don't want anything from there. <laughs> When I was living there, it was more rare. Now it's more common. I can see mostly with social media and stuff and a lot of people like me living abroad and learning all these things. We start sharing on social media and then I can see that a lot of things are changing there. They still have a long way to go, but I think... We, we are influencing Brazil little by little. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome work that you're doing with that Instagram account. Now, I just want to pull you up on, on one thing you mentioned because I had the exact same thing happen to me when I started eating a plant-based diet, which was feeling super gassy. So it's pretty interesting that that is a common thing because at the time I kind of justified it. Oh, you know, it's probably because I'm changing a diet that uh, my body is responding this way. So interesting to hear that that was also happening to you. But, you know, whilst you are changing your diet, those things that you mentioned like headaches, skin issues, after you changed your diet, what started happening to, to those problems that you were encountering that you didn't really know what the, the cause of those things was when you were in Brazil? Uh, what did you see the difference in when you were in Australia and you had changed your diet? Oh, all my problems just disappeared. <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> I couldn't really understand because... You know, I lived with them for such a long time. I thought it was just part of who I was because I have, for example, severe scoliosis and I get a lot of lower back pain. I used to get a lot, a lot of lower back pain. Um, so I thought it was just, you know, oh, it's because I have scoliosis. So that's why it's hurting. But after, after I changed my diet, it wouldn't hurt anymore. And then I learned it was because of all the inflammation going on caused by the food I was eating. But yeah, I didn't have any any pain anymore actually because I used to buy a lot of painkillers and, and always have them at home for you know just those silly things like headaches and lower back pain and menstrual cramps and etc but now I don't really have them I had I think I have one at home but it's like it's been sitting in the cupboard for such a long time I think it's expired <laughs> oh, wow oh, wow that's so cool Yeah, incredible that you've experienced those changes. Now, I think one thing that's really interesting, and you know, neither of us are dietitians, so I think if anybody wants yeah. specific diet advice, they need to to talk to their doctor or dietitian or even their naturopath. Exactly. But you know, you mentioned that when you were in Brazil, you were eating like stacks of protein. You were eating the white rice. You were eating the the beans and the meat. Obviously, beans and meat are, are very high in protein, and that you were lacking the fiber. Now that you've sort of done your research and, and gone through these programs and learned all this new stuff, 
What does a balanced diet need to consist of, in your opinion? For example, the Game Changers says that protein isn't as important as we often think it needs to be in a diet, especially if you're doing like exercise and sport. But just for the, you know, everyday person's diet who's, you know, exercising but not, you know, an athlete or anything, what is a good balanced diet? I don't have a special formula for a balanced diet. I do believe that a balanced diet consists in eating as as many plants as you can. Some doctors, they do suggest eating like a, var- a variety of 30 plants a week. But it's it's really a matter of just, you know, having your daily dozen, like Dr. Michael Greger says. You know, trying to have beans, berries, fruits, cruciferous vegetables, greens, other types of vegetables, flax seeds, nuts, um, and seeds, herbs and spices, whole grains, and also drinking a lot of water because that's also very important for our nutrition and our health. And also exercising, I think it's really important. Because it's more holistic than just a person's diet. Like, I mean, a person can change their diet to be super healthy and plant-based, but then get like three hours of sleep a night and it's not going to be the complete improvements that one would expect, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a matter of eating well and drinking a lot of water and exercising and sleeping well. And also, you know, doing all those things, we can also manage stress and anxiety. So yeah, it's not just what we eat, but how much we sleep and we exercise. I've been struggling with my exercise levels especially now during lockdown, but yeah. Yeah, for everyone who's listening to this, we're currently in lockdown here in Sydney. So, I mean, we would get you into the studio if it weren't for that, but (laughs) yes. (laughs) So now I just want to get your thoughts on a few things. Maybe you have some insight that will help us. For someone who's thinking like, yes, I want to go plant-based, but then again, there's those things that like chocolates and and fries and stuff that Mm -hmm. I don't want to fully give up. What's your opinion on the concept of a cheat day? A cheat day is like, you know, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's the idea that one day a week you can eat whatever you want and then the other six days you like maintain your healthy food intake. Is a cheat day a good thing? What do you think about that? Well, when I was doing the cheat program, when I started doing it, it was actually really hard for me in the beginning because I thought (laughs) it's funny because right before I started the program, I went to the store and I bought a very big chocolate box of my favorite chocolate, which is the sweetest chocolate as possible. And I went to my friend's house to do the chip program. When I got there, I learned that I had to do a jump start for the, for our plant-based diet. That meant having a full week of a diet that didn't include any sugar, any oils, any refined carbs or you know those inflammatory foods uh, and I couldn't also add any salt and that was very shocking for me but going through that detox you know eating whole grains and not having any added sugars just having fruits and vegetables and not adding oils or salt that did a complete like detox of my palate <laughs> and that was very impressive because once the program was finished I remembered that I had the chocolate in my cupboard and I was like, oh, great. Now I can have that chocolate. And I tried the chocolate and it was so sweet. It was unbearable for me. I had to toss it in the bin. And, you know, if you can't do a detox, 
just start little by little. What I always tell my followers on Instagram is that, you know, try a, a recipe today and then one recipe tomorrow. Choose like one of the meals of the day that you want to go plant-based, for example, because I know that the changing process can be very complicated if you're not, if like I had a support group. So if you don't have like a support group or if you're not in a complete health improvement program, like I was receiving all the support from the instructors and the doctors, it can be very complicated and you can give up easily. But if you start little by little and then you start learning recipes that can help your health and help you eliminate those inflammatory foods from your diet, I think it's a great step, you know? Maybe just start with Meatless Monday. Yeah. No, well, Meatless Monday is like it grilled. <laughs> no, it's, it's really <laughs> cool that you um, you say that because I actually found a similar experience. Like I'd, I've been, you know, plant-based for almost a year and a half now and I was still eating breakfast that was full of sugar, like cereals and stuff. And then more recently, I decided to ditch that and start eating seeds and chia seeds and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, make myself chia pudding with bananas, which I know <laughs> you don't really like in your preference of food. But yeah, I was eating, so I've been eating seeds for like quite a few months now. And then, you know, one time I go into the cupboard and I run out. So I decided to go back to my cereals that have been sitting there. And man, they were like so intensely sweet. Like you don't realize it when you're eating it every day, but when you like, whip it out after a while you're like whoa <laughs> yeah yeah it's impressive how our body can adapt and you know living in brazil when i wasn't eating well i used to have so much prejudice uh, against so many vegetables like i i would not see myself eating eggplant for example and now i love eggplant so our body can really adapt if we learn how to cook things properly and on the best way to get the best out of that specific vegetable, you know? So it's just a matter of really trying out and, you know, giving it a chance. Awesome. Now, just one final thing, Juliana. I mean, there might be someone listening to this who'd be keen to try out a plant-based diet. You know, they've obviously heard that vegan food is pretty good from your opinion, from your story, and maybe they might be swayed by that. Where would you recommend that people go to first as far as starting out on their own plant-based journey if they want to do that. I mean, I see at Coles a lot of alternative meats, like alternative sausages and beef patties that are not really beef. They're actually made out of purely vegetables and stuff. Is that a good way to ease people in to start there? Or where would you sort of recommend? Do you think that everyone should be jumping onto a complete health improvement program or is starting (laughs) online with vegan recipes a better way? Like, what do you reckon? Look... I think those fake meats, like the Beyond Meat and etc., they are a good alternative if you're really dependent on cooking with meat. So, like, if you want to replace meat in your diet, but I don't really recommend eating them, especially like in a high frequency. You can have like, because it's it's all about balance, you know. Sometimes I do feel like I want to eat something that I used to like before that has like a bit more of sugar than I should be having. But it's just like, it's an exception. It's not the rule. It's not all the time. But, you know, having those processed foods like the Beyond Meat, for example, it's not really good because they are very inflammatory. But they can be a good help in the beginning if you're learning how to change your diet. 
But I would just recommend trying to make vegetables the star of your plate. And then you start enjoying vegetables more. And then you, when you see you don't really need any meat or any meat substitutes. Mm. Awesome advice there. Definitely start out with that whole food diet. I mean, I was like that in the beginning, eating heaps of the fake meats. But now I've sort of trans mm -hmm. transitioned into using them far more rarely and trying to eat as much whole food as possible. So awesome advice there. And thanks, Juliana, for, for joining us on Science Radio this week and sharing your story. If anyone wants to read the, the sort of comprehensive article, it's online on our website, signsofthetimes.org.au. If you want to receive a copy of the magazine where you can see all the pictures of Juliana and the food she makes on there as well, you can click subscribe on our website and receive one of those magazines. Now, Juliana, you just mentioned that there is that Instagram page that you have running, uh, which is in Portuguese. You know, for those of us who want to Google translate all of the recipes you have and, you know, posts that you have on there, or if there is someone who's Portuguese who's listening to this or Brazilian, where can they find your Instagram page? Oh, that would be a tricky one because I'll have to spell it because <laughs> it's in Portuguese. The name is Kikomide Essa, which means what food is that? And yeah, it's on Instagram. The listeners can go check the article and the name is written there. Awesome. Awesome page that you're running and an awesome initiative for, for people in Brazil. I'm still trying to convince you to make an English one. Hopefully you'll, you consider that <laughs> at some point in the future. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us, Juliana, and hopefully we'll have you join us again on the podcast at some point in the near future. Well, thank you for having me. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand. <laughs>